the OTB Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Off the Bench. My name is Gina Foley and this is a podcast about women in sport, which we hope will educate and entertain sports fans of all ages and genders. And one of the things that's really important uh, we, we feel in women's sport is for parents to be involved and support their daughters in sport and also for coaches uh, and more women to be involved in coaching. So we are delighted this morning to have a parent, a mother uh, who has two very sporty daughters and also a coach who was involved in one of the most successful clubs in Ireland. Um, uh, in, I think it was April, Emma Slevin from Galway uh, she qualified as the first Irish woman to make the European all-round final in gymnastics, which is an extraordinary uh, achievement really for an Irish gymnast and the first of many we hope to come. Deirdre Slevin is Emma's mum and as I said, the mum of another very, very sporty daughter as well. So we're delighted to get her input into how to support sporty daughters at their level. And Sally Batley is Emma Slevin's coach uh, and she's the head coach in Ren Renmore Gymnastics Club in Galway, but also uh, the National Performance Coach for uh, Gymnastics Ireland. So we're delighted to have you both, Sally and Deirdre. Welcome to Off the Bench. Thank you. Great to be here. We're delighted to have you, particularly because it's a bank holiday Monday and you're giving us your time in a bank holiday, which is uh, over and above the call of duty. Um, and Deirdre, first of all, um, tell us about your sporty daughters, because Emma isn't the only one. No, I have two. Emma, obviously, I've spoken about, and Kate, uh, her twin, is also very sporty into uh, soccer and Gaelic football. They're her two main sports. Um, she plays soccer with Galway United and she's on the uh, panel for the under 19 Irish squad. And then uh, with uh, Gaelic football, she obviously plays club, she plays minor county and this year she's broken into the senior county team. So yeah, they're they're as, as high level as they can go in their individual sports, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, Kate has only just started with the Galway Senior Ladies Football Team, and she's already scored, I think, three seven and three games for them. Why are they? First of all, um, you ha I think in the during lockdown, I was it in May, you had also to organise their 18th birthday. <laughs> well, due to restrictions, that was very uh, very yeah. limited. So to be honest, we haven't really. Uh, celebrated yet that's we promised something during the summer hopefully but um just the way things were at the time of their birthday which was early may we were still very much in um kind of restricted uh, what we could do yeah, so just, uh, and then with them both being involved in sports you can't take that risk with because they're involved in teams and yeah. emma's involved in the club so yeah we're just holding off Sally, when did you first come across Emma? And seeing as she has a twin, how did you not get the other one? <laughs> actually, actually, it's funny. They actually both did start originally uh, together at the time into gymnastics. Um, and I think um, they were around seven at the time. Does that sound about right, Deirdre? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so they came in and whilst they're twins, they're, they're quite different as well. Um, and so I think like Emma was, I, my memory of Emma was that she was quite quiet, quite excited. And, and Kate was also like really energetic. Um, but I think the way that it actually worked out was probably, was probably a good thing for Deirdre, probably a good thing for both of them. I think Emma loved it. I think Kate kind of liked trying it initially. 
and then probably just decided that you know that that other sports were kind of more suited to her um but emma from the beginning was like she clearly had a lot of gymnastics um uh she just had a natural aptitude for a lot of the things that you look for, you know, in gymnastics, even age seven. So, yeah, I remember it. I even remember the two of them coming in. I even remember the leotards. It's funny. Um, <laughs> Deirdre, you say they're very different. Yeah, even personality, they're, they're, they're both very sporty. And, and we as, as parents, I suppose, me and myself, when they were very young, you know we, we couldn't wait to have our kids play sports so from the time they were allowed to go to anything they were they were introduced to you know whatever it was locally we say football soccer hurling you know uh, basketball everything gymnastics was came a little bit later because it was hard to get into it at the time it was there was like a waiting list and um it probably only came to my attention when other kids that we would have known did it. And I think they started doing a summer camp. That's how Emma got introduced to it, which to be honest is a great introduction to it, kind of gives them an idea of what it's about. Um, uh, but yeah, we threw them into it. And as Sally said, Kate, you love the idea of it, love running down the, the bouncy track, the, <laughs> but that was about it. And I suppose um, Emma just, it suited her personality a bit more she she likes to have a, something to achieve and get there and even in the the early stages of gymnastics the very simple skills it's that thrill of you know getting it um that's what she thrived on and and I can see that even in other aspects of her life she's she loves a bit of a, a challenge um Kate's slightly different Kate's probably sociable is maybe not the right word but you know she's very much a team player on the team that's where she thrives so right. yeah and they both I mean you, you've they've got Kachani parents on both sides so you would have I would have thought Camogie would be the one you'd be directing them to <laughs> well, but obviously you know, we're, we're, we were very disappointed I have to I have to admit but we have a son too and he's 20 and he's still <laughs> flying this the flag for hurling he's flag for the hurling great his, that would be his number one and actually I'm going to get to go to a hurling match for the first time this evening a challenge match <laughs> oh fantastic well it's, it's uh, Sally the day we're talking on Bank Holiday Monday it's a very exciting day for you as well because tell us why tomorrow is so important for you and for Renmore yeah I think um, it, it's an important day well actually even today is an important day so lots of clubs are opening their doors today we're actually opening our doors tomorrow just because we've had kind of a core team running for the last few months so usually bank holidays are an opportunity for us to get into a quiet gym usually we'd be in training on a bank holiday um but actually we're we're kind of taking this one to prepare for tomorrow so we open tomorrow for all of our members um and so these are these are gymnasts that have been oh you're talking since i think it was march the 9th last year that we went into our kind of first sort of shut the doors They've had a few pockets of being open in between um, and generally they've been running remotely with all of our coaches doing like outstanding kind of efforts to keep them as community you know keep them as connected as possible and um, to keep the communication going because i think it's you know as everybody knows it's been a difficult year for for, for young kids especially 
So they've been working away remotely and the gym is, is prepared, ready for, you know. Ready for action. Explain to people the size and, and how you involve, how you started it with Remore Gymnastics Club and how big it is now and how it crosses. It isn't just about elite gymnasts. Yeah, no, so I suppose, um, yeah, I, I mean, I originally came over in 2003, so we were in a community centre then, and I think there was probably around 50 to 60, like, young children practising gymnastics, kind of scattered across three different classes, and so, of course, I was just visiting for the weekend, so I was one of the go-away weekend casualties, <laughs> um, and I just came in to help out, really, initially, and it kind of went, kind of from there, the rest is, is history, so they say, but... Um, so then I ended up coming back over, you know, to start helping out there in the club and I kind of agreed to stay and help them. They were really short of coaches. I guess I didn't really realize back then the, the huge shortage of coaches that we have in Ireland. So naively, when they asked me to help out, I thought, sure, no worries. I'll help until, you know, a head coach comes along. And so 18 years later, um, you know, we're, we're still going, but I think the club had so much potential back then and I love a project, I guess. And so, I, you know, we started changing a, a few things. We developed the program with the classes. I think originally when we got the, the athletes and their parents to agree to training twice a week, this was quite epic. And then <laughs> in my head, I'm thinking, how am I gonna get these gymnasts to train four or five times a week? So, you know, as with anything, it just, it took a bit of time in those in those kind of first years and then around 2008 I think it was 2008 2009 the club had grown substantially and we were probably at the point where we knew we couldn't really develop the program anymore without moving into a full-time facility so back then with the current board we took some big steps which you know we were a bit risky back then and we took on a premises and signed a lease and I think in the following two years, then we grew substantially really quickly. Um, as Deirdre said, we had a huge waiting list um, back then and it was closed. And sometimes you would ring a family that had put their child on the waiting list when they were seven and you're ringing them and they're saying, oh, they're 12 now, they're, they do something else. Yeah. You know, it, was, it was crazy. We yeah. had a very bad reputation for this. So I think those first years when we, we got into a bigger facility and we just started calling everybody we just started trying to open the doors we we came in initially with another club a smaller acrobatics club um and it just took off it just took off from there really i mean emma wouldn't have been in the older facility she joined us in the, in the newer facility as did most of the current membership i mean you know we're there since i think it's 2008 so we're there we're there a while already um you have a purpose-built gym big 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 premise and, and over 800 gymnasts yeah it's it's not actually purpose built as such but we've made we've done our best at making it look that way I mean it's a warehouse <laughs> essentially that's we've kitted out and it's been adapted again since COVID because previously we would have had every space filled with something you know and now with physical distancing and even though we are 8,000 square foot um we're we're quite limited with the 50 in the room at the moment this doesn't take into account the square footage um and maybe it will down the line but this limits us with all of our personnel that we have to have on, on site at the moment with covid offices and obviously coaches so when we do open tomorrow whilst we're excited it is a reduced program you know we are coming back and yeah. even for safety for the athletes this is okay you know we can do a bit of a staggered return 
most importantly, we get everybody in. And yeah, like you say, we have everything in there from preschool, disability programs, we've got general gymnastics, adult gymnastics. So, and, and then we have, you know, um, a lot of the members of the Irish senior team that are in there as well. So it's a full program. Um, is it, is it true you've got members who are 60 years old? Yeah, we, we within the yeah within the adult program we've always had a really a really good range of every you know lots of people just coming in wanting to be active with different backgrounds some of them were older some of them had circus training or capoeira training or some of them were doing you know lifting weights or some of them were ex gymnasts and they're just I guess they're they're you know, gymnastics is actually a really fun sport at any age, yeah. you know, if taught safely. So yeah, you'd never really know what you'd come across in our adult class. You should try it actually. <laughs> it sounds amazing. It does, it sounds amazing. And I think that's the thing that we, because we tend to always think of gymnasts as really young people, you know, yeah. um, we don't understand that it's something that you can do for life. So I just think that's brilliant. And I think people should know that, that, you know, your local gymnastics club, potentially you can go to it at any age and do stuff. And it doesn't have to be competitive even. Yeah, lots of clubs are all about this, about retainment, um, especially with females in sport uh, being, you know, even even more kind of important that gymnastics is a sport that females tend to gravitate towards. And, you know, even coming at, coming out the other side, opportunities for judging or coaching. Um, so I think every club like operates with an intention of retaining as many of the athletes as they can Um and I don't think anything beats the joy of being able to do or try a cartwheel or a handstand at any age in life. And I think, you know, it's really interesting, Deirdre, what you were saying about, you know, the difference between Kate and Emma and, and Emma's thing was she liked a, a specific challenge and really been able to work at it. The importance of a coach, you know, in an individual sport, you know, I think is very different um, to you know, having your child coached in a team environment. So as a parent, um, how do you develop that relationship with that coach? Well, I think you've said it there, the, the importance of the coach is huge. I mean, I don't think any of, of the girls in Emma's group would still be doing it without Sally because, you, you know, you need somebody, particularly in gymnastics. And, and before Emma got into it, I would not have had had the first idea about gymnastics coming from rural Kilkenny there was certainly no <laughs> gymnastics um on the menu when we were young so it was a completely new uh, sport as far as I was concerned but Sally instilled um a love in in the sport in Emma you know and and sold it to her as something you know that she could do and could things a pathway that she could aspire to and she certainly bought into that challenge and that future, you know, so you can't underestimate the importance of a coach. In that oh, I think process. I think in an individual sport, they're the most, you know, they're even more important than in a team sport. Um, but in, in a sport like gymnastics, which is very challenging physically and also can be potentially, you know, it has very dangerous moves and they're learning, they're learning new, um, very difficult things. Do you worry, did you worry about safety? How do you, how does that, you know, where's that communication level with your coach? How does, how does that all work? Do you, do you know, I, I have to say, I never worried about Emma's safety in terms of, of skills because, you know, very early you have to trust the coach because your child is spending 
inordinate amount of time with the coach and in the gym you know it's 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 just it's hard to credit to 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 believe it as a parent that you know when your children are doing other sports they go off for an hour they come home but you know from the time Emma was I'd say and Sally you could correct me if I'm wrong she was probably nine or ten when she went away on her own for the first time to England with Sally and a few others you know so you know if you don't have that trust you and certainly now the way things are you wouldn't let your child go mm. um you know and and that became the, the norm but the only thing I'd say is you've got to listen to the child you know so and if I was ever worried and, and Sally is the best in the world so you know it's just a case of picking up the phone or sending an email and just asking the question um you know is everything okay but no I never worried for her safety um right, right. you know uh, you know and, and like every gymnast she's had injuries and, and very big ones in the last few years um and I suppose it wasn't so much the worry was more the what the impact of that was going to be would she uh-huh. be able to come back you know physically mentally that that would be my bigger worry to be honest is the mental uh, struggle that goes on for these girls who have put so much into it yeah. And Sally, yeah. what about you? You know, that relationship that you build up with parents, you know, how do you do it? Because, you know, we, we've all, we all know that it can be, it's a very fine line between you knowing what's, what's right, but them understanding what's right, if you like, and particularly in an individual sport, I think. Yeah. So I think, I think really um, it's about communication probably, um, which it sounds easier said than done because obviously we are in a busy schedule and, um, it can sometimes be, you know, hard to make the time outside of the training schedule, but I mean, we have to. And I think communication is key. Honesty is key. I think if there's a problem where you can see an athlete is struggling, um, you, you know, you need to be mindful of being proactive in the early stages of that to make sure that you've got uh, transparency, that you're authentic, you have a good, honest dialogue, open dialogue with parents. But I think also um you know there is life after gymnastics and and from my perspective i think it's about developing the human more so than than the athlete so a lot of my focus when i'm working with the girls is i suppose building them up so that they can cope there's phenomenal pressure on an international stage and yeah in order to manage that you need to you need to have good self-image good self-esteem you need to be able to cope under pressure that comes I guess from confidence and some experience it comes from believing in their abilities that they can do that and so we would spend um invest a good bit of the time just even having discussions about what a what a high performance culture would look like and and how can we have open dialogue in regards to problems whether it's fear related whether it's stresses with school related, whether it's injury related, because these are all difficult conversations, but they, they happen daily. So you, 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 you can't avoid them. You, you need to normalize, I guess, challenges as, as kind of part of a high performance yeah, sport. Yeah, yeah. That's what you're going to do. And, but in a, in a way that's healthy, obviously we're, we're not normalizing things that need, you know, that aren't normal, but in terms of, being challenged because gymnastics is a strange sport in that you never really get your skill set you know you spend your entire career as an athlete learning something and then typically they they, the first thing they do is they write what's next next year next period where they're like oh I'm really happy now my routines are done for life you know you never you never get perfection 
Yeah, you're chasing that all the time. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I, I'd encourage them not to chase perfection. I think perfection is an unhealthy notion that doesn't totally exist. So we're, we have a concept of healthy striving, I think. And that was really key for Emma even to, to not chase perfection because she would, she would be, it would be one of her strengths and her weaknesses that she would want to be the absolute best that she could be, as would a lot of the athletes. So learning to just take small steps every day because that's how you actually move forward and that's how right. you, how you And actually that's really interesting because an awful lot of elite athletes at every sport, that's their tendency, their weakness is that they want to be perfect at everything. That's a really interesting yeah. point to make. Yeah. Deirdre, tell us how much this woman does for your daughter. Tell us about the European Championships. Were they in Glasgow a few years ago? <laughs> I think it's interesting people to know something like this because you know we, we we think of coaches in a certain way but sometimes I don't think we see what coaches are prepared to do yeah I mean look Sally has put her private life to one side at times um the girls were doing a quite a big competition in Glasgow a few years ago and Sally was eight months pre- pregnant yeah I think I was um, like eight and a half months pregnant uh, yeah and yeah. she wasn't cleared to fly so uh she went over on the team bus uh, the girls flew all oh, lovely lovely and Sally had to go on the bus <laughs> to Glasgow um and then coming home there was what happened coming home Sally you ended up having to get a lift anyway yeah I think because the team were staying so I came I came with the the performance and technical manager we drove over on the team bus um because I mean it was a really huge achievement the whole of the junior Irish team was were were all Renmore gymnasts so I mean this doesn't really happen ordinarily in in many coaches lifetimes so I was I guess I was hell-bent on making that competition and I did the maths I thought well we're in Glasgow so if I go into labour it's not the end of the world um um, we'll work it out um but it it all went okay I think in the end I obviously we came I had a there was another coach traveling with us because I definitely wouldn't have been cleared by Gymnastics Island to be on the floor eight and a half months pregnant so so I, I guess I just went along to enjoy that experience with them. Um, and then coming home, I got, I think I got a lift, a ferry. I got a few ways home. And then I had a baby three or four days later. So it was really productive kind of journey home. It's, it, that's an, that is an amazing story. But it, is, it reminds me of Emma Hayes, the English uh, the soccer coach in England, Chelsea. She coached an FA Cup final heavily pregnant. Um, uh, and there was a lot of talk about it at the time. Y- you have a young family as well. And I just wonder, you have you have two children. I think one is nearly two and you have a six-year-old. How do you combine all of this? Because a lot of the time with women in coaching, um, motherhood interrupts their coaching. Um, and it certainly must be a huge time juggle for you. Yeah, I mean, I think any mother that works knows that it's difficult. And I guess um i've i have good support i mean the struggle to juggle is a real one um i have a really supportive of a half here and i and in some ways the hours of of coaching gymnastics are not the worst in that um okay so the girls had obviously they missed a lot of school in the last year and so usually we would do two or three daytime sessions each week um now as they'd lost so much time in school and they were getting into important school years to phase them back into training after COVID, we said, look, we, we will do, um, we will focus on the academics. Let's get that back on track and we will 
adjust the training schedule a little bit. So, so we've had slightly less daytime hours. So um, I could often be going into training around two or three in the afternoon. So this means I have actually some of the day with the children. So I have a, actually a nearly three-year-old and when he starts preschool in September, my life might get a bit calmer. Because <laughs> he's, he's a live wire for sure. Um, and then Davin is five, turning six, so she will start school in September as well. I think, you know, it's up to you how you see your challenges in life. And I think that um, one of the things that gymnastics certainly taught me is that it, it's very unlikely in life that you have one or two things to focus on. You know, you, you constantly have a number of things um, and you have to just, I guess you have to work out if it's important to you, how you're going to make it work. Um, so it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. Um, but I love what I do. I mean, there's not many people that love their job. Um, so I don't, you know, I, I, I feel really privileged that I'm in a situation where I get to spend so much time with such young athletes who are just phenomenally dedicated to what they do. I mean, it's a minority. It's this sport would appeal only really to a minority. It's a lot of training hours. As I said earlier, it's a constantly acquiring skill set. So it requires a certain mindset to be kind of comfortable in that situation. And I just feel very lucky. I mean, the club is a really great club. We have a new general manager with a really proactive board, um, you know, so, and it's a really kind of progressive place. There's a, a nice kind of notion of growth mindset. So I feel where I'm going into work is a positive place. I feel, you know, fortunate enough to have two children and, I guess if if that's what you want to do, you find out a way of, of find a way it. to do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Deirdre, as as a parent of um, two daughters who are so involved in sport, you know, how do you manage? How do you manage as a parent to make sure they're they're in fifth year, so they're due to do their leaving cert next year? And as I said, one yeah. of them competing at international level and obviously putting huge hours into training. The other one is competing in two different sports at the top level she can do at the moment. How do you, as a family, and how do you as parents ensure that all of that works as well as their studies? Um, planning, I think, is, is key. You know, you have to just be very organised. You know, Sunday, you're kind of looking ahead to the week, what's on, and, um, you know, like Sally, I'm lucky. Liam, thankfully, he was traveling a lot before COVID. But, um, you know, between us, we'd always have the week mapped out. And um, just, yeah, things like, you know, the simple things like having dinners organized. I mean, the amount of dinners Emma probably eats in the car uh, on the way <laughs> to gym. Uh, it's kind of frightening. But, yeah, organized. And, and the want to do it, you know, like we would have made changes and sacrifices over the years to you know things I know other people wouldn't do you know we've changed holidays we've not gone away or we've you know not gone to family functions because there's been games or there's been gymnastics or you know so I mean there were the, the sacrifices we made but we wanted to do it and I suppose from a very early age we instill that in the kids you know if you're going to do something um you know give it your all uh, try your best um, but that was it you know if it didn't work that's fine too um, but like a lot of parents we threw them into everything hoping that something would stick yeah. <laughs> you know and I know that's the philosophy of a lot of, of parents um, 
and I certainly didn't see it coming this way. I just wanted to my in my naive mind back when they were small, I say just keep them involved when they're teenagers. Then if you keep them out of trouble, that was my mantra from when yeah. they were very young. You know, if they're playing sports in their teenage years, if you keep them out of trouble, that was yeah. kind of what I had in my head. Not bring it to the level it's come to <laughs> but uh, but we would have sort of even when they were young you know going to training was wasn't a, it wasn't that do you want to go it was just oh this evening now you have football or this evening you have yeah. gymnastics you know so they yeah, it's funny I, I was talking to Tom Barr the uh, athlete recently and both him and his sister are, are international athletes and and Jesse's retired but he said the same thing he said our parents are better than us when we were small some days we wouldn't want to go and they'd be like get in the car you're going um yeah even if it's a bad day or a horrible day whatever you just do your best you know that's all yeah. we're asking is just just to do your best um yeah and and, it, and you know if, you know this might be a tough day but just go and enjoy it that was their philosophy and I think it seems to work a lot do you do you how do you deal with um when things don't go well oh well now as sally knows we've had plenty of those <laughs> you know <laughs> set, as I, I as i think a lot of kind of high level elite athletes of, of a number of sports they can be quite temperamental and because they're striving for that um excellence that, yeah. that excellence you know it can make them you know, it's so hard on themselves, you know, sometimes you kind of have to just say, like you said, just do your best. And this is like when they're 16 and 17, not just when they're five and six. Um, and just accept where you're at and just keep keep plugging away and it will come. If you want it, it will come, yeah. you know, and, and that's, you know, I'd never push any of them beyond if I didn't think they wanted to do it. You know, but with Emma anyway, certainly the want to do it has never wavered, never, yeah. even in the darkest of, you know, through I think injury is probably the biggest obstacle, you know, and when they feel, oh, I'm just Emma went through a phase where she felt she was always injured. There was always something, you know, in those growing years, particularly between probably 13 and 16, 17. Um, you know there's always niggles and then there will always be niggles but bigger ones that kind of stop you from doing stuff so it's it's just amazing that Sally has managed to these girls and there's five of them to get them through that you know and there will always still be injuries but I, those are the difficult days and and with Emma we've had we've had plenty of and this is where I suppose the communication with Sally was was key you know is to like she sees her in the gym I don't so yeah. when Emma comes home and the mood is black I don't actually I haven't seen what's happened and her version can be so negative sometimes you need to hear Sally say look it wasn't that bad you know she just needs to calm down take a deep breath and we go again you know interesting. and, and that's interesting yeah. And Sally, yeah. you're going to come in there on that, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Just, go ahead. I was just going to say that I think, again, it's about normalizing that. I mean, there's really no way of of performing at the highest level of sport and not encountering injuries or yeah. challenges. Or, I mean, it, gymnastics especially is really tough. It's tough kind of mentally. It's tough physically. It's tough emotionally. And so I guess... You know, it's really about, I, I think, you know, especially even during the, the few months of COVID has taught me this, that it's really about, uh, I think, you know, just showing up every day, 
taking one day at a time, knowing that plans are flexible. You need to make plans. As Deirdre said, planning is key. And it, even, even in the training, it's key. But like planning, planning can't be fixed either, you know, so things happen day by day, week by week. And I think I, as the girls have gotten older as well, we've transitioned, we've transitioned through, I mean, they've been coming since they were five, six, seven. So we've transitioned from minors to juniors and now we're seniors. So this is totally different. This is about us sitting down together and going, okay, how do you think we need to do the training now? Would you like to do this or do we do this? Because if you can get them to, to be part of the process, then they'll drive it a lot more themselves. It wouldn't really work now for me to say, right, we're going to do 10 of these. Then I want you to go here and do this and that. And because it just, it just wouldn't work. So I think some things we have to do, we have to normalize that there are going to be challenges. I think if you look at any successful athlete in history of time ever, there were obstacles, there were injuries, you like failure is essential. So if you're yeah. not prepared to fail, unfortunately you need to probably not do gymnastics because like many sports it's the way that you're going to learn so it's really about reframing how you see failure and I think that was key for Emma because failure to some of these girls would have been would have been a huge blow so mm. to understand that but you have to fail like failing it, it's not a bad word it, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. About, <laughs> it's about getting information now and making different choices or having options available to think of something differently or to try something differently um, and so I think Emma's no different from any of the other athletes they would have had times when there were lots of other pressures on them and maybe they were developing those skill sets of managing challenge or managing adversity injuries like failure whatever you want to call it and sometimes it just can come to a head a little bit where it can just be more challenging. And certainly, you know, Emma would have worked through that and as would all of the girls. And I think that what, what there, I mean, these are, these are really intelligent athletes. And I think, you know, by the age of 15, 16, if you're still progressing. Mm -hmm. And so they're looking at the situation and they're like, okay, I'm actually still progressing, which is wonderful because we're, you know, we're striking this notion that you, you don't need to go into retirement when you were 14, 15, which is probably a, a preconception that many of them had. So I still make the, the comments like, gosh, you're all still really young. And they look at me like I'm crazy. You know, you only have to go to a Europeans or a world championships where you see sometimes the average age might be 21 or 23. And you say this to the parents and they're like, oh, my God, you know, how am I going to do that of all your years? Um, but... You know, like, I think it's really hard for parents sometimes because they, like Deirdre says, they're not in the gym, so they don't see. Yeah. And we have to listen to the athletes and the, and the children because sometimes it can be really hard to remember that they are 14, 15, 16. They're extraordinarily focused. They're really committed. I remember one of my athletes um, when she was really young, she was so trained in international travel that her mom used to let her bring her 18 year old brother through the airport when she was like 14 or something, you know, yeah. because they, they just, it's easy to forget that they're children sometimes, but I mean, they are children until they're not children. And at that, and even at that point, you still, first of all, they need to be heard. So I think, I think, you know, there are challenges. It's normal. There's adversity. It's normal. And I think, so long as you can always just sit down and be honest about it and listen and and be able to speak i don't think there's many things that you can't really overcome if if 
mm. if I'm honest. Um, well, look, that seems to me to be a brilliant message. Um, that message of, you know, every sport brings failure. And if you're involved in sport, you have to reframe what that means. And failure can failure is learning. That's a brilliant message, I think. A great one to finish on. Um, it's been such a delight to have you both. Um, we're really excited to see what happens next, not just for Renmore, obviously, who are providing a lot of the, in the Irish national team as well as a coach, um, but also for uh, the the Slevin twins. Uh, Deirdre, we wish you and the family the best. And we don't think we're going to, we know we're going to be hearing a lot more about about your daughters and also about Renmore. Thanks so much to both of you um, for your time. And uh, we hope this is uh, this, this this podcast will help parents and coaches everywhere. Um, is there anything else finally you'd like to say, Deirdre? Um, no, it's just I'd like to just say as a parent, you know, to to parents of young children as they're, you know, wondering what's what is the key? How do you do it? It's just, I would say, just encourage, encourage, encourage. Always be there to bring them, you know, it's like we would have always, it was never a problem. You know, we worked around it. If there was training, if there's matches, if there's, you know, you just work around it. And that's, they, that gives them such a chance to, to get. And, and I can't stress the importance um, of being involved, you know, whether it's Emma in a in a quite a tight knit group, and they are a very tight knit group in Renmore, or Kate, you know, has just so many friends through sports. I can't stress the importance of it, you know. But yeah, as well. Sally said, you know, you have to overcome the obstacles along the way. But that's where parents and coaches are there in the background to help them do that. And then let them so off much. on their own. <laughs> Yeah, well, Thank thanks so much to both of you, Deirdre Slevin and Sally Batley, for those brilliant insights and best of luck in the future to everybody in Renmore especially. Thank you. Thank you. That was an OTB Podcast Network presentation. 